But good. we do have the strong man who gets rolled. That was kind of, I feel like, the gruesome, oh, yes. the gruesome villain death. But yeah, it's, it's not as gruesome as the heart wrenching, but it is the like, you see the stain as the roller comes back over. He got Ugh. judge doomed. Got judge doomed. sang the indiana jones theme what do we what do we sing for this one anything goes she sings it in mandarin so i don't really know mandarin do you know mandarin you know i don't anything goes she does say anything goes in english so there's that hey welcome to your inner child as an idiot the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if they're any good my name's dj my name's damon hi Hello. Sunshine Damon, our Sunshine Xanthopolis, as we established in the original. If listener, if you don't know the iconography, you need to go back to the first (laughs) one. I can't explain everything. You've entered into a cinematic universe now, a podcasting universe. And remember, your Indiana Jones name is your social security number and your mother's maiden name. (laughs) So everybody just send yours to us and we'll just know them. We'll enter you in the raffle. Yeah, we'll put you in the raffle for thievery okay temple of doom this one tod in this household is known as the bad one we don't even talk about crystal skull so this one is the bad one in that case (laughs) you know it's it is nice to get knocked up a few notches not by your own merit but just by the merit of someone doing far worse and that's what happened at temple of doom about 14 years ago just to reiterate what you just said was factual but the very fact that you said Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out 14 years ago, <laughs> it makes me want to punch you in the face. It's and a hate crime. I'll be reasonable. honest, in some circles, yeah. it is considered a hate crime. It's unfair that time passes and we're on a slow, circular, draining path to empty nothingness of death. Yeah. Okay. Got Kate Capshaw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Harrison Ford. It's Kate Capshaw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kehui Kwan, I'm going to probably mispronounce that throughout the thing, as short round. Who recently came back, He's, does a really good job in Everything Everywhere All at Once, if you haven't seen it. Highly recommend. Yeah, and he's else. great in that. And is, other uh, people. Bro- <laughs> is Brody in this one? Brody is not in this one. Sala is okay. not in this one. Oh, okay. We don't even go back to the, the school. We're not even there. Yeah. I remember being, I think they all have some imperialism problems. If not, <laughs> it's out and out racist. The race. other this IP. Is, yeah, this one's more out and out racist, though, because I remember them being like, oh, these people here eat monkey brains. It's like very othering. And yeah. not that no one anywhere eats monkey brains. I'm sure they do. But like, it's very like set up like, aren't these people fucking weird? Look at you know, these like, fucking weirdos. And then, of course, like the very character of Short Round is a stereotype, even though it's no fault of his. He was a child. And then Kate Capshaw really not doing a service to any white women anywhere <laughs> with her portrayal, <laughs> with her character. Again, you know, she's one of the first Karens, first Karens cast in a major <laughs> broadcast like this. Yeah, I mean, this is probably not only one of the it's a very dark movie. For what was like a lighthearted adventure movie, even though it involved Nazis and face melting. And then there's British imperialism where British are sort of portrayed in a good light. The British, you know, in India is portrayed in a good light. Mm. There's sort of 
just a complete mishandling of Hinduism in it. And just a lot of, oh, this time, no, this time, really, all the brown people you encounter are problems, are like bad guys for the most part. Aside from like the initial village they go to, like everyone else is like a villain and like the most villainous villains, pulling people's hearts out, sacrificing them into lava pits, forcing children into slave labor. This one is It's wackadoodle. Yeah. This one, yeah. I have a feeling... This one already didn't hold up originally to me. And so actually, I that's not true. As a child, I thought it was great. <laughs> it was yeah. only after rewatching it being like, I love all Indiana Jones movies of the first original trilogy. And then I watch it and I'm like, oh, like Lauren had never watched it. Like she loved Indiana Jones. Her, she would watch it with her dad. Her dad <laughs> protected her. From this one. He was like, we don't need to watch this one. So she's like, <laughs> I love Indiana Jones. And then eventually I was like, do you know, you've never seen Tim Dune knows. She's like, my dad said it was bad. I was like, he might've been right. And then <laughs> I come back and I watch it. I'm like, oh, okay. But it's still been probably 15 plus years since I've seen it. Oh, I remember as a kid, I had like a picture book. Like it was just stills from the movie. It was just like a little square picture book. None of like all the grotesqueries were removed. I mean, you just see them at the banquet table and that, I mean, that stuff is in there where they're like eating bugs and stuff and then mine carts and things like that. But like, it wasn't- I do love a good mine cart chase. The problem, not the problem necessarily, but even the bad Indiana Jones movies all have- really good action sequences that are a lot of fun. It's just really dependent on sort of the other stuff around them. Like even the fourth one has a lot of fun action sequences. It's just like, oh yeah, this one's got aliens in it. I forgot. Oh yeah, I did forget. (laughs) (laughs) But this one, I mean, this one has a lot of fun bits in it. You have the minecart, you have the plane, the escape from the plane at the beginning the escape from the Shanghai nightclub. There's a lot of like fun action sequences, of course, well executed by Steven Spielberg. It's just like the setting that they are in. You're like, I feel like I might know more about Hinduism than you guys. It does not reflect well on, on you the way that you've made this, but it is, you come, you come to it from a modern eye, but you're also like, I feel like maybe we should have known better about some of these things about, being like, oh, you're sort of like, obviously you can be like, well, I'm not saying that all people are blah, 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 blah. But it is like, yeah, but you're sort of implying that, that you're saying all people of a certain region behave in these very, very- That they eat bugs. Murderous <laughs> ways in some cases. Yeah, they're there. They, pull they eat live baby snakes, <laughs> yeah. for example. Yeah, I mean, there. I think part of it is just like, you know, having George Lucas and Spielberg make- movies about the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail. Two things that like their largely Western audience would be vaguely familiar with, and that they, as people from a Judeo-Christian tradition, have some deftness with. It's right. one thing. Whereas, you know, them coming in and telling stories about Hindu culture and the thuggy cult, which is a real thing, but is certainly not heart-ripping out <laughs> you know, murderous, like, world domination cult. It's it's not what this is, what's portrayed in this movie. And then Shankara Stones, which I have not done any research if those are actual tchotchkes from Hinduism or if that's completely made up for the movie. 
It just, you don't feel like you're in adept hands. You don't feel like you're in, yeah. these people should be telling this story or if this story should even exist. Yeah. I mean, in this one, we were talking about in the intro to the original Raiders of the Lost Ark, we were talking about the very idea of like, this belongs in a museum and like taking it away from someplace. In this case, he does like sacrifice them. I remember that. He like, there's actual magic in all these movies, which is something that I forget sometimes until going back and rewatching them because it's it's a silly action movie, but it's it's more grounded than say you know Star Wars or something where it's like takes place in this far off kind of space. And usually the magic is saved for like Act Three is when the, yeah, the paranormal yeah. spiritual stuff kicks in. I kind of always forget that until you see it and they're like, oh no, this is real. It and, is. It does make it funny yeah. by Indiana Jones 3. He's like, ah, oh, that hocus pocus. I'm like, okay, dude, you saw Nazis' faces melt off <laughs> yeah. from the power of Yahweh. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't expect this one to hold up. I gotta be honest. I feel like it's gonna make me cringe a lot. Yeah. And probably like raise my shoulders up around my ears. But I feel like the action sequences will be a lot of fun. But I, I feel like the rest will be, ugh. I just remember that there's this part where the British imperialists save the day, like save Indiana Jones's life. Yeah. And isn't the, you know, the good action sequence, don't they kind of make up for the othering of an entire subcontinent <laughs> of people, wouldn't you say? You know, it depends on the action sequence. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, you're being hauled away. No. <laughs> no, Twitter, no! <laughs> All right, we're going to watch The Temple of Doom. Watch along with us. We'll be right back. Sorry, Indiana Jones and The Temple of Doom. You know, I I'm didn't want to so say sorry. anything, but I knew that the Library of Congress would come in and pre-edit that into the final cut of this podcast. So I knew either Thanks. way it would be fixed. That's Thanks, what I like LOC. about it. Really appreciate that. <laughs> You know how some explorers are in it for fortune and glory? Yeah. And some are just in it for the integrity of archaeology, I guess. Oh, sorry, I was trying to think of a second type of explorer that's <laughs> not in it for the fortune and glory. Good news. We're the first type. So if you want to support oh, our, okay, our show, patreon.com slash your inner child's an idiot. Uh, give us money. But don't worry. This is not a one-way street. You're going to get extra episodes that are Patreon exclusive. And we'll do live streams for the Lord of the Rings show that's coming up. We're going to do more episodes whenever we think of something to do. <laughs> and only patrons <laughs> only patrons will get access to that. We'll also read your name in the credits if you donate a certain level and we'll have your name in the written credits. All kinds of fun stuff that you can get. And if you think of something else that you want, well, let us know. And if we can do it... One of the many I mean, rights of being a patron is that you can reach out to us and let us know yeah. any ideas you have that we can claim as our own. Yeah, exactly. Just like... Indiana Jones, and it's a loose connection. Patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. Flawless. <laughs> you know how we've all gotten our hearts ripped out? <laughs> Metaphorically. <laughs> And we are back. We watched Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. You're doing great. Or, Don't, or is it in the Temple of Doom? No, no, it's okay. and. It's okay. uh, always going to be and. I just want you to know. Well, except the first one, which was of. That was the preposition of the first one. But going forward, it's all ands all the time. What do you mean? Indiana Jones and? 
because the Indiana first one Jones was, and the Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, okay. Indiana Jones and Friends, the Saturday morning cartoon, and the Indiana Jones and the City, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I always thought it was <laughs> in the city. I definitely agree with you that the most offensive thing about this movie is its choice to use the word and in its title. We're not getting very far into this movie before I'm already offended grammatically. (laughs) He can be both and around the Temple of Doom and later in it. But for the bulk of the movie, he is not in that temple. He's just sort of That sounds like the Temple of Doom is like the co-star. It's like... You know, one of the things I love about this movie is that they write the temple... Like it's an actual character. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Pancot Palace in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you ever notice that the Indiana Jones font they use at the beginning of this is the same as like the Star Trek font? Oh, like the actual, for the actual credits, that red font? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it was very, it felt very Star Trek. Yeah, it was very distracting. Because it I felt, only noticed this first time. Yeah, it's different from the first one. And the last one, or the third one, <laughs> sorry. And the third one also has just a different credits. But this one goes with that full red. I think they were really proud of how big Indiana Jones got. Because then when yeah. Willie Scott comes in, she's like, Saturday evening posted over the title. Yeah, and it's like, you right. know what movie you came to see. We don't right. need to show you the full words. Before we get too far into Sorry. it, we need to recap this movie. We always and, um, recap the credits, and then we recap the plot. And, then the, and I'm going to have you do that. Go ahead, Damon. Good. Go. Thank you. Please. I love this. <laughs> okay. So picture this. <laughs> Shanghai, 1935. It's a prequel. Swing in Shanghai. It is a prequel, technically, in a way that's like almost a moot point. Like, who cares? It's kind of irrelevant, but okay. We're not going to reference any of the events that are coming after this. It doesn't have anything to do with the plot that Indiana Jones is a year younger. I don't know why they chose to make it a a prequel. But, you know, God love them. Uh, <laughs> Indiana Jones You're so magnanimous is, with your praise for Steven Spielberg. Of- is James Bond style at the tail end of his previous adventure, is finding the remains of uh, Nurhachi, I believe is his name, mm, delivering it to a mob boss, Lao Che. Uh, wouldn't you know it, things go awry. He accidentally gets poisoned by Lao Che, who tries to not pay him for his services of grave robbing. He takes Lao Che's girlfriend, Willie Scott, a nightclub singer, jumps out of a window, lands in a car with his sidekick Short Round, a young angel-faced child who drives a car and then he escapes on a plane run by Lao Che. The pilots leave them, abandon them, and let the plane go down. They land somewhere in the Himalayas. They slough down the mountain into India where they find a village that's been ruined by drought and all the children have been kidnapped. Lo and behold they go to a place, Pankot Palace, that was accused of kidnapping all those children and they find out that the thuggy cult is there, resurrected after a hundred years of being destroyed by the British colonists. Well, once they did that acoustic album, people were not following them <laughs> as much. I like the Thuggy Cult's earlier work. <laughs> I hated it when they went electric. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Indiana Jones finds the stone that was stolen from the village. I forgot to mention that earlier. Rescues all the kids, destroys the Thuggy Cult, 
and brings them all back to what have you. And am I missing anything? Brings the stone back. Uh, the brings village one, is resurrected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Score one for white people. They've done it again. <laughs> oh, and Willie Scott kisses him at the end. Love. And that's why she's there in the first movie. Do they because actually get a, a kiss in or was it because she runs away and then he whips her back? And then No, this is following Princess Bride rules where they do finally kiss at the end, even though Short Round did not want to see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. Am I missing anything? I mean, aside from all the things we'll talk about. <laughs> I mean, that's the bones of it. So. Here we go. Kate Capshaw as Willie. What is it? Willie, you Willie Scott. twice and I already forgot. Willard Scott. That's right. <laughs> So we're going to talk about Kate Capshaw at length. I want to talk about like that character and her portrayal of that character at length, oh, but please. I think we should save it a little bit because that's, that's a juicy tidbit. Yep. Yep. It's a juicy tidbit. There's a lot of juicy tidbits in this, not <laughs> counting the juicy tidbits at the, in monkey's brains that are served at the dinner. <laughs> the literal scene. juicy tidbits. So wait, should we start with the good things? Cause I feel like. Okay. Let's just okay, get sure. them out of the way. Let's just okay. get them. Short Round is adorable. Now, puckish little yes. imp. Mostly charming, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I think there's a longstanding history of my impatience with precocious children. And Short Round, I don't know if I'm inured to him for years of having watched Temple of Doom, but I like him in this. And not to just immediately undercut my point, but I do... <laughs> I'm frustrated with his I'm frustrated with his inconsistency, specifically in the sense that when they're riding elephants, he's riding a tiny elephant and it's adorable and he says, "Do you want to come back to America with me? You're my best friend." And then later, not too much longer later, he's beseeching a brainwashed Indiana Jones mm-hmm. and he says, "Indy, you're my best friend." Now, which is it? Short round is it the fucking elephant or is it Indiana Jones? Because you can't use the word best that loosely. I need You're to absolutely right. And I think that the only thing that Kihi Kwan should do is come on the show and debate us. Ben Shapiro yes. style. Otherwise, he's a coward and needs to be destroyed. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? <laughs> I do wish, now that you've said that, I wish Spielberg had the audacity to cut back to the elephant that's just waiting outside. <laughs> Just, you know, oh, like with a quizzical upset. look on its face. You know, like uh, <laughs> in, in like shitty sitcoms when the dog will like tilt its head to the side and go, mm-hmm. I, thought, oh, I wish movie. they had done that with the elephant. Yeah, that would be it. No, but both times he says it. The first time it's just, it's very cute because he's like, you're my best friend. And then later it's actually in a, <laughs> in a scene that's <laughs> it's not really heart wrenching. It's kind of like, oh, because it is kind of <laughs> like, you know. Just trying to save his friend. They're buddies. They're buddies. Like friends, like equals. Yeah, which explains why we see him never again. (laughs) The funny thing is, I am always distracted when he calls the elephant his best friend, because I'm like, okay, movie, that's a bridge too far to have this child call the elephant his best friend. Because it's also like, it feels like it's filler line, like they they recorded it later and just popped it in. Well, you you don't get a close of him. It's like during a shot of them riding their elephants in the horizon, (laughs) and you hear him say, you're my best friend. And I'm like, all right, that's... Enough movie. Listen, we all agree he's cute. You don't have to <laughs> overdo it. I don't know. It's one of the more realistic elements of this because I don't know for sure. <laughs> I don't have evidence of this, but I believe that if I were recording you, I would have audio evidence of you saying to your cat or anyone's cat or an animal or that you like. A young Asian elephant, honestly. <laughs> Hello. Nice to meet you. 
you're my best friend. I feel like <laughs> first. I don't off, think that's something slander. you'd say to a. <laughs> I don't think that's something you'd say to a human ever. But I would definitely call context. the elephant my buddy. Okay, I would You'd definitely want to get his refer skins. to its belly skins. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes even, if I'm in the mood, might rub its belly and refer to its intestines, which I like to do. I but I would never call an animal my best friend. Intestines. I might make that sound, but I would never call an animal my best friend. I'm actually always, as a person who loves animals, I'm always weirded out when I encounter someone who's like, my dog is my best friend. I'm like... What are you fucking talking about? Your dog's not your best friend. Do you even He just have... likes you because you have thumbs that you can go get his food. <laughs> what are his politics? I need to know how this, <laughs> right, exactly. this goes. Okay, what Where else is Where was he on January 6th? That's what I want to know. Where was Smuckers on January 6th? What else is good? I mean, just like the last one, I think most of the action sequences are all pretty good. That minecart chase is thrilling. Minecart chase is good. I like that. The bridge scene, I think, is, is good. There are good elements, agreed. I'll give you some of that. I do like the bar scene in Shanghai when they're escaping from the the bar. I mean, even though it's like you unfortunately meet Willie Scott, we'll get back to it. I think it's a well done scene where he's chasing after one thing and she's chasing after the other and everyone's running around. And they have, there's that big gong and the guns and the, all the, the Shanghai mobsters who are all dressed like Roy Orbison. They're there. I did notice that. <laughs> I like that scene. I mean, most of all that the felt, action scenes, the raft. To me. Oh. The bar scene just felt really clunky all around. Like, it felt like, are you warming up to directing? Like, what's going on? Because <laughs> I do think it gets, it gets, the other scenes are, other action scenes are generally better. But that one just felt more like, I remember complaining when we watched Raiders of the Lost Ark about the, the bar scene where the bar catches fire. This was even more awkward, I think, where it was just, there was a lot of, like, action move. You know, it was like, you know, you can cut closer to when they do a thing. And it, oh, you thought it was like poorly it was just, edited. That's what it felt. It felt like chunky, like in a chunky. way that the way that Spielberg stuff usually doesn't because he is, a you know, this guy, he can direct a movie. Keep an eye on this guy. All right. Well, we'll have to agree to disagree on that. And, you know, the kick in the antidote around like that's a Three Stooges bit. Like it is very zany. It is very zany. Madcap. I do like that when she's about to grab the diamond and then someone drops the ice bucket and she's like, you know, because women like diamonds. This one does. You know, you probably have gotten Lauren a diamond, just a (laughs) loose diamond. And, you know, dollar signs like hit her eyes, you know, Scrooge McDuck style. Classic woman Mm -hmm. stuff. Notice a lot of white people and work in Shanghai nightclubs like Willie Scott. Okay. But like the entire band was white. All her background dancers were white. Yeah. What else do I like? I like I like when he says, hold on to your potatoes. <laughs> I think I as like a that. kid, like maybe because when this came out, it like was at the exact, I was probably a short round. No, I would have been younger. It was two when we came out. It was 1984. But I mean, I think when I saw it, like the idea of a child driving a car around with little blocks tied to his feet yeah. was like a fantasy sequence for me. Like was Absolutely. like, this Absolutely. could be me. Hold on to your potatoes. It's a funny line for some reason. I also like that raft, like the whole plane sequence as ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous that they would survive and that raft would be functional by the time they landed in the river at the base of the mountain. Yeah. 
but I thought it was all well done. I like the pilots abandoning them. One like villainously laughing and the next one is like, uh, he's very nervous about it. I also liked... I mean, this made me laugh both times that I watched this movie. When he says, he screams back, because I think this is also the first time we hear the mobster's actual name. He's like, nice try, Lao Shea. And he closes the door and it says Lao Shea Freight. Yeah. It's just funny. That's a good bit. Did you catch Dan Aykroyd? I did. Did you catch... Doesn't it bother you once you find him? Like, yes. Ever it since was... I caught him, like when, it, like, when I was a teenager, I was like, what the fuck is this guy doing here? <laughs> and, like, not even info. He's just always at a distance. Yeah. He's using an English accent. It's just like, what is this? And apparently he works for Lao Shea, like this character. <laughs> right. And you he's a big Indiana Willie Scott fan, like, fan. He loves Willie Scott, the <laughs> famous, famous American, American vocalist singer. that he refers yeah. to. Which I was confused by, too. I'm like, so she's a famous American vocalist that people would recognize on site, but she also works in a mob-run nightclub. It's tough out there. I guess so. I guess so. What else? Hold on. I'm just going through my, my list here of good things. Just hold on. It's just a, a big, big list. Okay, I got another good one. So another positive is so... Oh, shoot. I forgot the villain's name. That would be Mola Ram. Mola Ram is... <laughs> Indiana Jones has, like, woken up from his trance, and Mola Ram escapes through the most random trap door that has ever existed. <laughs> it's just, like, right under the statue, and it's just, like, in the floor, and he just sort of, like, somersault rolls out <laughs> and laughs maniacally. <laughs> While laughing maniacally. Actually, yeah, really I enjoyed that. that. It's very weird. <laughs> and it's also, I feel like it's edited weird because you see him smiling and he's sort of crouching. And then the yeah. next shot is him laughing and you just see like some sort of figure roll away from Indiana Jones. I'm like, I guess my brain, the editing tricks makes me think that must be Mola Ram, but it's so weird. It just feels like there's like just an establishing shot missing saying that he's under the statue of Kali. He's right crouched here. It's just so weird. I do like also the lava dip. I can't help. I mean, I, I, there's the a lot of concept. problems with it. Yeah. But the creepiness of heart ripping out and dipping them into the readily available lava pit beneath them. Just in general, I don't know if like an active volcano underneath your palace is good for resale. No. Yeah. I mean, that. Structural I mean, it's integrity. Nice. I appreciate that there's a trap door there, but I, I just worry about the contractor who had to build that for the thuggy cult. You know what I mean? Like, that's dangerous. They just kept killing all the architects because they couldn't know the secret. And then for some reason, no one wanted to work anymore. There's definitely some OSHA violations going on. <laughs> definitely. That's the end. That's the end of my good yeah. things. Yep. I mean, Harrison Ford is always charming. He's charming. Got his well. Gets to go full What's that? James Bond. That's him going full James oh, Bond. Oh, yeah. I'm checking my cufflinks. I mean, the, suppose I don't know if this is apocryphal, but I, supposedly the story is that, you know, Steven Spielberg wanted to direct a, a James Bond film and George Lucas, you know, brought him the idea of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And so there is like a lot of mm. James Bond in him. And I mean, I think that first scene like really makes it even overwhelmingly apparent, like in the, you know, white tuxedo jacket. I mean, he's, it's over-the-top James Bond yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. He's a handsome guy. Uh, cuts, a, cuts a handsome figure. <laughs> yes, he does. Especially when he's brainwashed. Yeah. Keeping it tight on the, the brainwashed <laughs> blood Shirtless. of Kali, yeah. hypnosis, 
what have you. I feel like he should have been like had a different name, you know, when he's the bat. He's like Cindiana Bones. Cindiana. Ooh, Bones, spooky. Yeah. You know how skeletons are scary? Yeah. That's how you get them. Especially the ones in this that are clearly not from humans. Like when they go <laughs> in the secret passageway and find their way to the temple, there's like, you know, as usual, they're <laughs> confronted by these two like skeletons like pop out or at least they seem like they pop out those are goblins those are not yeah, they do not they, look like people at all they look like two golems <laughs> that have yeah. been chained up ready to pop out at any moment yeah they they look very weird i don't know if they're supposed to be mummified or something cuz they still got facial features which skeletons usually don't famously famously we also you know we talked about in raiders every indiana jones movie has to have a weird creature scene and yeah. a weird, gruesome death scene. And we get the bugs in this. And I guess I will Lots count the the heart ripping out as our gruesome death, even though it doesn't happen to our villain. I feel like our villain's death is kind of not But good. we do have the strong man who gets rolled. That was kind of, I feel like, the gruesome, oh, yes. the gruesome villain death. But yeah, it it's gross. not as gruesome as the heart wrenching, but it is the, like, you see the stain as the roller comes back over. He got Ugh. judge doomed. Got judge doomed. Now, now I bet you prefer the fate of Judge Doom when he came out all. Yeah, I was really expecting him squinched to come, down. Come out two deed. He makes that sound when he walks. It's creepy. Judge Doom, not the dead thuggy guard. Rolling back a little bit to the James Bond sequence at the club, Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. Do, do you get it? <laughs> I don't it's know from, why I made that sound. I'm a human being. Wars. I've engaged you. Yo, now. I thought it was a reference to the Disney Plus show, Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah. I guess that did come first, before Star Wars. <laughs> Furious. Legitimately mad. <laughs> so mad. But he, so, <laughs> when, <laughs> it's just so stupid. When Indiana's poisoned, which, by the way, <laughs> so in the first film, I was kind of charmed by the sort of mistakes that Indiana made. And, mm-hmm. you know, if this taking place a year earlier, I guess he would be worse, technically. But He's he still learning. Many, this is Batman Begins, man. Just many strategical errors. And the <laughs> so he's got a, like a server on staff is like in his pocket is like one of his buddies. And <laughs> so when he gets poisoned and Lao Shea is like, hey, you've been poisoned. The server comes up and is like holding a gun. It's like, yeah, what now, bitch? And then. He gets Famous shot Indiana eventually. Indiana Jones dialogue. <laughs> he gets shot and he ends up like dying in Indy's arms. And as he says, it, it's like, I followed you on many adventures. It's like, <laughs> okay, I'll take your word for it. What are we doing right now? It was, it's zany. I mean, not purposefully zany. This is an accidental zany. There's yeah, they're trying to get us zany. to like feel bad for this character who we literally met two minutes ago. And we've heard... His first lines, I think, are, I followed you on many adventures, but to the great hereafter, I go first, Indy. And I'm like, all right. (laughs) I mean, I just met this guy. It's a classic tell, don't show situation. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? Yeah, and it's weird because then immediately after we meet Short Round, who's a new sidekick. So Short Round doesn't seem to ask about the first gentleman (laughs) who got shot. So I don't know if just Indy's got, you know, a lot of irons in the fire with just random... You're going to want backups. Random guys all over Shanghai. But it's very very weird to throw this character in and just kill him off immediately. 
and then expect me to like have this moment of like, yeah, he has followed him on many adventures, but here to the great beyond, he goes first. And he says it in such a way like he's been dying to die this whole time. Yeah, like he's so yeah. excited at the opportunity to die for Indy. And that also, and not that I really expect this from this movie, but like he's like bummed in the moment and then he's poisoned. So I kind of understand the rest of that scene. He's trying to survive. He's trying to get the antidote. It's scramble. He's getting shot at. I can understand like not mourning, but there's like zero reference for the rest of the movie. This character has no bearing on the story whatsoever, but he gets this line that's like, what? Yeah, it, it's weird because even his like, you know, one upsmanship in that scene, like doesn't pay off. Like Lao Shea yeah. immediately kills him and then gets the remains of Nurhachi and doesn't pay Indy. So, I mean, it all kind of just is, I mean, it just feels, you know, that James Bond thing of like, just start in the middle of the previous, you know, right. mission or whatever. Yeah. Do you know why throughout? So it all goes to pot, right? There's gunfire that like... At first, they're kind of disguising the gunfire when the first guy gets shot under, like, uh, champagne bottles popping. But then Mm -hmm. there's gunfire outside of that, and, you know, everybody's going nuts and running everywhere, which is why the antidote and the diamond get kicked around. But then the performers are still trying to perform, (laughs) which is funny, but also immediately it it took me out of a little because I was like, what are you doing? And they keep being like, oh, this is weird. Everybody's in our way. But they keep trying after that. I do appreciate a commitment to choreography. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this is just my headcanon. I realized after I said it a few minutes ago, my headcanon is this is Lao Shea's nightclub. I don't know right. why I think that. I feel But like I assume too. it is. Yeah. So maybe the dancers are just like, more gunfire. Tuesdays, huh? You know, like just time to get on with anything goes in Mandarin again. Also, it feels like they are singing Anything Goes for a second time. Like, you can't, you can't just do the song again. You were we just, were did just it five here. minutes ago. It's the same audience. You got to wait till the, this is the matinee crew. You got to wait till the night We got to turn over some in. tables. Yeah. They, <laughs> I do, like, in my head, this is also some headcanon of, like, they're all, like, basically in indentured servitude. Like, they're, <laughs> they're not, like, they're getting, you know, paid, but they can't leave. They're working for the head of a gang. Like, that's how I imagine Willie is, too. Like, she has perks and she's the star, but also like she can't leave. Like he will kill her or or like threaten her or whatever. I feel like that's it's all implied. This is not really said in the movie, but that's also makes kind of her arc, which we can talk about more later. But like of her going well, let's directly. Talk about it. I feel like we we keep bumping up against Willie yeah. Scott, and I think it's time we it's time we we're, talk we're about here. It. We're a few we're several minutes in. It's time. So <laughs> here's how I imagine her arc, though. Like she's. An actress was struggling to pay her bills, but, you know, had some roles, you know, enough to be recognized by Dan Well, she's not an actress, though. She's a vocalist, a famous female vocalist. Sorry. G- roles, I mean, like, gigs. Ah, enough to yes, be famous. of course. Sorry. I should have said hits or something. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I work in music. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but clearly, she needed to, you know, that happens to a lot of people. You, you find a new audience overseas, right? There's nothing wrong right, with that. Right, the Backstreet Boys, they started in Europe, so she's yeah. probably following that trajectory. So, it's the classic Hollywood to Shanghai trajectory. Mm-hmm. She goes to Shanghai. And then you get a mob boss boyfriend. Yeah. This was the gig she Behind could find. Behind the music, Willie Scott. If it feels like she gets a nice dress. She gets to be treated <laughs> like a star. She mentions how, like, all her friends are rich, and so she's used right. to, you know, being treated well, but I imagine she doesn't really have a choice in this matter. And she seems, like, annoyed when she finds out, like, there's like a standoff with guns. She's only freaked out when Indiana like 
takes her hostage, basically. Like, before that, she's kind of like, what's going on? Oh, man. You know, like, again. And then she gets taken <laughs> hostage and then, like, kind of escapes, but is kind of taken hostage by Indiana. Yeah, They survive I mean, a plane crash. <laughs> and then she, like... So... And then she almost is murdered by a thuggy cult. Yeah, yeah. And then she f- survives this. On paper, like... She's in constant need of rescue. She's a damsel, but also, like, she's a severe victim of this whole circumstance. Yeah, I mean, watching it again this time, I realized, like, there's not... I understand why he would have, like, escaped with her out the window of the nightclub. But I don't understand why he took her on the plane. Right. Where were they going? I don't know where they were going at all. I don't know. Well, Damn, I mean, whatever Dan Aykroyd going? says, he says, you know, he got them a plane. I don't know if he ever says plane where they're out of here. So they probably didn't know. It was like, right. but he here. just needed to get out of Shanghai. But I don't understand why she would need to go. Like, she can stay with her mobster boyfriend and continue living the up and up life in Shanghai. I she don't know why. She doesn't want to. Like, she's once, not. Once he got yeah. the antidote off of her, why couldn't he just let her go? They don't seem to have a rapport like he and Marion did. So I don't know why he insisted. It, it's almost like the movie's just like, you know how this is going to go. Here's your lady. She's going to be in the movie. Here we go. Adventure time. Let's go. <laughs> and I feel like that's even true as their story progresses. You know, they sort of have a Sam and Diane thing where they absolutely loathe each other. Will they or will they? You know? <laughs> and as the movie progresses, they don't seem to like each other anymore until after the infamous dinner scene. And then all of a sudden they're all over each other. But there's no like progression of like, he's like, you know, that Willie, she's great. Like every time he talks about her, he's like, she's annoying. She I don't sucks. like her. <laughs> and she's like, I don't like you. In fact, one of my lines is, I hate you. So it's he's not only annoyed, like he's he's actively mean to her, like the whole time. Like she's okay. Now the flip side of that is I kind of like it's kind of an audience cipher thing because she's very annoying. Like her character is very annoying, and the tone of the way that she screams and says lines is very annoying. But also, like on paper, it's all like this woman's been like kidnapped from an already (laughs) probably terrible situation she's already been traumatized now you're like you stabbed her with a fork gently (laughs) like you know and of course we know we're like indy's our hero he's like fake hostage he'll never do anything to her but also like he did take her yeah i don't know because there's a lot of hate for kate capshaw and she is very annoying but i want to just remind you damon kate capshaw the actress Neither wrote nor directed this movie. (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. And I I know there is a lot of hate for her character. I don't feel like that's necessarily her fault. I feel like she is written to be an annoying character and probably written to be like a counterpoint to Marion in the first movie. But yeah, they're like, uh, she's kind of cool. What if we find a character? What if we find a horrible person who's just screaming all the time and complaining about the events in the movie? Like, yeah, yeah, she and yeah, that doesn't help. Like, I would understand if she was like put out because she's like, I didn't ask to go on this fucking right. adventure. But yeah, she's very shallow. The minute we meet her, she is deliberately stupid. <laughs> she yes. says, I thought archaeologists were always looking for their mommies. And then she is she literally is like a goddamn Scrooge McDuck or something. Because every time diamonds are yeah, mentioned, yeah. even though she literally just watched a man have his heart ripped out by hand and, like, and fed into a, a volcano, the minute diamonds are mentioned in our MacGuffin of the day, she goes, diamonds? Like, 
what are you talking about? She tries to put perfume on her elephant. She's constantly being harassed by, oh, she wants to marry the Maharaja that they meet like two minutes in, even though everything she's been told about Pankot Palace is bad. Until she she's like, oh, he's wealthy. Yeah. I guess I will marry. I will marry yeah. this to her inner defense. Unlike Indy, she will not marry a child. Oh, Indiana Jones. Sick burn. But yeah, everything this movie is doing, like they could have made a counterpoint to Marion that is not so insufferable. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I like the sort of damsel in distress thing. It's kind of, it's annoying, but also par for the course, right? Like you kind of expect some of that, although some independence would be nice. She does punch one person once. She does punch that one guy on the thing, even though I did think I was watching it. It was the mines car, right? When she finally yeah, punches someone. Yeah. I was like, before she did that, I was like, Willie, you can jump in at any moment. Anything. You're literally letting a 10-year-old child she fight like, a guard. Feel fight. free. You're an adult. I mean, I know you're not like a fighter, but like you're an adult. This is a child. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to blame it. It's not entirely Kate Capshaw because a lot of this is in the script. Like this is yeah. what she has been handed. Yeah. I will say, and again, with the caveat that Kate Capshaw has gotten a lot of hate over the past 35 yeah. years. That being said, that being said, <laughs> it does feel like she is in a different movie than <laughs> literally everyone else. Yes. She Hers sometimes her, her comic chops pay off and right. sometimes they're just like just ill chosen readings. The one that's sticking out to me is, you know, he's like, I'm going to go down and get those Shankara stones, the MacGuffin of the movie. Yeah. And she's like. You're going to go down there. And she grabs him by the lapels and then does the like very cartoonish, like she twists her wrist so that then the lapels are like under her arms. I don't know why I'm going into this, you know, description, but she like sort of grabs him by the lapels and she's like, are you crazy? She says it in such a ridiculous way. <laughs> I'm trying to think there's other, oh, of course, like the dinner scene, which is offensive. We'll get into that. But I mean, yeah. she's constantly rolling her eyes. She's constantly fainting. It's very... It's very silly at times, very cartoonish sometimes. I wonder, like, if you could put... So, this is from INDB, so as always, this could be completely false. But, you know, there are many people that were considered for this role, including, apparently, Sharon Stone. Now, this would have been very early for Sharon Stone. But, like, let's pick... pre-Total Recall, right? Total yes. Recall is 1990? Yeah. So, again, this may be not true at all, but for the purposes of what I'm about to say, it doesn't matter. Like, but let's picture Sharon Stone in this... In this role. Maybe not the best <laughs> actress ever, but a pretty good actress, comparatively. What do you think that she could have brought to this? This is more <laughs> of just a thought experiment, because Temple of Doom is what it is. But, you know, do you think there's any sort of, like, chops that would have saved these lines? Because, like, the, you know, the example you gave of, like, grabbing him by the lapels and being like, Are you crazy? Are you like, crazy? <laughs> that was directed. Now, that may have been the best that he got. You know, so maybe that was like the end of a day of trying to get something more tolerable out of it. We don't really know. I wouldn't say she's, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Cape Capshaw movies. Oh, you haven't? Honestly. I have not. I celebrate her entire oeuvre. <laughs> so I can't speak to like whether this is direction or choice. I don't think she's a bad actress. I don't think she says them in, in like, I think just the choices that are made are yeah. Incorrect choices. And not that there aren't cartoonish elements to Indiana Jones, and I'm sure we will talk a lot about that once we get to the next movie, but it, they're just like deliberately comical, like the readings that you would Zany. have in like yeah. a, 
in a rom-com or something. Yeah. I think also about her lines in the raft where she's like, I hate the water, I hate being wet, and I hate you. She says it in a deliberately like butch voice, like gravelly voice. And I'm like, I mean, that's funny in and of itself, but like, is this the moment to, to whip that one out? Speaking about Sharon Stone, the last time I saw Sharon Stone, of course, was in the modern classic Catwoman, where she mm-hmm. played mm-hmm. the makeup maven slash villain. And, you know... Sharon Stone also has her talents and liabilities, one might say. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think what Sharon Stone... I think Sharon Stone has a sultriness to her that Kate Capshaw doesn't have. I'm not saying that's a good or a bad, but I think that would be very interesting playing off of Harrison Ford, who also has a sultriness to her. Whereas Kate Capshaw, well, a very pretty, pretty lady, and I don't think she's like a bad actress or anything... I think she definitely went more comic in this role rather than playing up like being a, I mean, she definitely plays up being a diva, but I don't know. I don't think she doesn't feel like, oh, I've lived the high life with my mobster boyfriend that I may or may not have been aware was a mobster. And now I'm stuck, you know. Yeah. Like being put out versus being like a little cartoonish, Mm -hmm. you know, that I think that's sort of overall a very strange dichotomy in this movie because we have... In one way, it's a lot more playing to a younger audience, kind of. Like, it's more zany, it's more wacky, and then it's fighting against that with a very... This is much darker than Raiders of the Lost Ark, because it's it's gorier, it's kind of freakier. The freakier parts are freakier, the creepier parts are creepier. But it also, like... And it's child almost slavery. Like they, yeah, child slavery, like... It's almost like they took the darkness and they were like, okay, this is a little too dark. Why don't we throw in some kind of stuff? And like really – and part of that is just the way Kate Capshaw's – like to Willie's character like portrays it. And well, you also have just, then have short round too. Sorry, a short round. Yeah, another sidekick was kind of zany. And it's true that like it's not like those elements weren't in the first movie, but the balance was – it was less confusing, I guess. Like, this feels like shifting back and forth in a way yeah. that is confusing. Whereas the other one was like, it's a mix, you know, in a more right. pleasant way. I think, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I think the problem is they've gone, they've upped the zaniness and up the darkness, but they don't ever mingle in a cohesive right. yeah. way. Whereas in the first one, I mean, there is, I mean, you have Nazis, you've got Ark of the Covenant, you have sort of this adventure stuff, but there's like lightly comic moments throughout, but it never feels like, I don't want to say it never feels cartoonish, but it it never feels like madcap, I guess, in a way, whereas this feels very madcap at times. And then when that's combined with this, not that Nazis aren't dark, of course they are, but they are sort of playing like boogeyman almost like just standard comic book like villains whereas this like in the first one we're very well aware historically of what the nazis are capable of but in this we see this movie's version of the thuggy cult and they are like literally have child slaves and we see the child slaves and part of the plot is freeing those child slaves we also see like people being having their hearts ripped out we see you know a destitute indian village I mean, one of our heroes, Short Round, gets enslaved. And (laughs) 
as like working the minds. Indiana Jones gets brainwashed. Mm-hmm. It's very Indiana Bones, you mean? Indiana Bones, his alter ego. It's like Gray Hulk versus the Green Hulk. It's never coherent, I guess. Right. It's never cohesive. Maybe is a better word. Yeah. I think that's a good way of looking at it. It's like they never gel. They just up the zany, up the dark, and it doesn't yeah. meld. And I think you know George Lucas has described this as like. He wanted this to be like Empire Strikes Back, which is probably like with the darkness, which makes sense for Empire Strikes Back because Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars, the original trilogy is a cohesive story and it follows a three act structure. And in act two, at least the end of act two, you want everyone to be in a horrible place and you want your audience to be like, how are they ever going to get out of this? Right. Indiana Jones is episodic. If it references other movies at all, it's very light, you know, passing references to events of the other movies. They're all completely self-contained yeah. stories. So it's weird like to feel compelled like this one has to be dark. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it can be light. We don't have to have all the, you know, the racism and the heart rending. We can just <laughs> keep it light, keep it up, peppy. Yeah, I think it's probably I mean, there's a lot of mistakes at the root of this movie, but that's probably like the first idea that came up that was wrong was like, we need to go dark on this second one. And it's like, no, you do not. And I think Spielberg has said like, that is his mistake with this is that he went along with the darkness and that's not his shtick, man. And he's, I think he said in interviews, like the best thing that came out of this is I met my wife. Yeah. Well, they both also talked about how they were having, had been having troubles like marital troubles and then like right. led I think to they some were darkness both going through divorces yeah and you're like you were going through a dark time with your marriage until you you thought you'd put some child slavery in the <laughs> like <laughs> i feel like that's a sort of retroactively putting your tone on something right like go buy a convertible don't drag us into this <laughs> yeah okay hey, do you want to each... talk about the racism are we doing that hey i was gonna say do you want to yeah. have a long in-depth conversation about race <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading this book. It's called, So You Want to Talk About Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> okay. So this was so bad that in 1984, before this movie came out, or 83, whenever, they sent the script saying to someone in the Indian government saying, hey, can we film here? Here's the script. And they were like, so offended that they were like, absolutely not. You cannot film in our entire country. Right. And they don't think they even let it run in theaters in India. Yeah. Because it was so offensive. That's not a great sign. Although, you know, and they could be like, oh, it's overly sensitive, you know, censored, but there. But it's like, no, it's not. They were just like, this is offensive. This is offensive to us. Yeah. I mean, I, I tried to do some tertiary research. Thank you. In this. You're welcome. This is the hard hitting reporting that people come to our <laughs> podcast for. Well, I'm not that familiar with Hinduism in general. I only have a very casual knowledge of it. And I know that I wanted to bring the intelligence I always bring to these episodes. Thank you. Well-rounded. My knowledge Mm -hmm. of Madeline Kahn quotes and old-timey, old-timey Lord of the Rings knowledge. Old-timey Lord of the Rings knowledge? What does that mean? I always say you're the chilled monkey brains of our podcast. (laughs) Sophisticated. So Kali... She's, you know, portrayed in a lot of different ways. I tried to look up, you know, various depictions of her in Hindu art. She's never <laughs> she's never portrayed as if she had looked into the Ark of the Covenant like she is in the statue in the titular temple. She looks like a skeleton. And I mean, I think they portray her as like 
I mean, I think this movie is trying to do two things at once, which is like, hey, we're specifically talking about the thuggy cult. Right. Which has its own racist history of like, there. you know, historians are kind of like split on whether it was all that big of a deal or if it was kind of like something made up or exaggerated right, like at a, the very least by the British, situation. British colonists. Exactly. Yeah. And it wasn't even active when this movie takes place, which I mean, in the movie's defense, he does say like, she's like, I've never seen anything like this before. And he says, no one's seen this for a hundred years, which would track with what British colonists said was when the thuggy cult was eradicated. But thuggy cults, I don't feel like I need to say this, did not rip people's hearts out and, you know, feed them into volcanoes. They just, you know, were nomadic thieves that maybe killed people on the road. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't world dominating Shankara stone nonsense. This movie is, I am not Hindu, I am not Indian. This movie is offensive. (laughs) This movie is racist. And kind of like what we talked about with the last movie, it's definitely referencing things from the 30s. I think specifically yeah. this movie is playing on the movie Gunga Din, which is a 1930s movie where Cary Grant and Douglas Fairbanks fight the thuggy cult in British colonized India. But it doesn't really update anything except the gore and the violence. <laughs> it still falls into the same racist tropes. Oh, it's a beyond effect. Like, ugh. How did you feel about uh, the depiction of Hinduism as you understand it? Not great, I guess, would be my really couched (laughs) response. It's a lot of othering, you know, and also we're at the dinner and I think we're supposed to be kind of on the side of the English general that's there because- Oh, absolutely. There's an English general at the dinner and then, you know, the dinner's presented, we've got the, you're eating big giant beetles and your eyeball soup and- you know, they open up a giant cooked snake and a bunch of live baby snakes come out. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. Like, did they cook? So the one snake's dead and then they cook the living snakes in the snake? Are they marinated in big snake juices? And that's what's... I, I don't know. And then, <laughs> of course, you have the chilled monkey brains, which is the dessert. Don't forget eyeball soup. Oh, yeah. I thought I said eyeball but yeah. Uh, oh, I'm I, sorry. I, thank you. I remember the eyeball <laughs> soup. <laughs> It's very important to me and my my history. No. So, and then they're sitting there and the, all this is going on and they, I can't remember who like the host guy is. Are you me, the Maharaja or the prime minister? No, the, the prime Maharaja. minister. That's what Chatterlal is. is the name of the character. Yeah. So they're speaking with him and Indiana, he introduces Indiana to some English general guy. Colonel or Captain Bloomberg. Captain Bloomberg. And- the prime minister makes some snide comment about like, yes, they like to follow up on us like we're we're toddlers. But it's like, I'm kind of like, yeah, I bet that's annoying. But immediately I'm like, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to be on his side. Like they're giving, <laughs> they're giving him that line. But right. it's actually supposed to be like, you know, these people can't govern themselves. Like it's up to us, which is a very – it's still going on in, in a lot of countries and the United States is very guilty of it, of course. It's just that's colonialism. Like that's the whole thing is like, oh, we'll come and we'll take over and like we'll show you how to. We'll civilize it. you and put you in three piece suits and yeah. fix you all up. I don't feel like that specific interaction is incredibly. It is overall important in the world, but like I don't think that's important to this movie. But it does sort of, I think, explain the tone of the whole thing of just like they combined elements. You know, the thuggy cult is like a combination of like the name of the thuggy cult and. 
a bunch of things that they may or may not have done from already racist tropes from history. But also they threw in like some Aztec things, which also, you know, there was like some human sacrifice elements. But was there? It's not like really clear. And then it's just like. There's Other voodoo stuff. in there thrown yeah, in there. Voodoo, yeah, voodoo. It's just it's like just all the religions other. that give, you know, Christians the willies or whatever. Yeah. It's, it reminds me of, you know, we've talked about this before, whenever there's like a weird combination of like homophobia, transphobia, and, you know, like making fun of pedophilia altogether. It's like, you know, that queer shit. And we're like, what well, those? What are you talking about? Like, what are we yeah, actually it's, talking about? It's, it's like just you, different. They're not even learning to identify what they're being racist towards. Right. And so yeah. it's, it's, yeah, I understand what you mean. It's, it is beyond offensive. One piece that I read, I think it was in the Times of India, because I was curious what Indians, how they responded to this movie. Not well. Not into it. He was bothered not just because it was offensive, but it was also lazy. Like they didn't even right. try to learn anything about it. You know, these foods they eat, there's nothing remotely you know, Indians are very largely vegetarian and they're definitely not eating snakes or monkeys' brains, which are, you know, they're probably are, there delicious. Are eyeball soup. There's goat eyeball soup, but the, none of these things are about India. And especially when you think of like the mid 80s, like Indian food has like started to reach like into, you know, American cuisine more now. But when you think of, you know, the early 80s, where only probably in big cities would you stumble across Indian yeah. restaurants. The idea of like just painting it with this like just offensive and lazy brush to like, uh, aren't brown people weird and they eat weird things? And it's the funny thing is, story wise, it's not even then trying to paint them as villains. Like if it was. Right. Doing that, like I could not, you know, give it a pass, but like be like, well, at least it's serving some sort of story purpose because it's telling us that they're, you know, the villainous cult or whatever. But it's just basically sitting there and going, aren't brown people weird? Other cultures eat weird things. Isn't that funny? We're trying to create like a, a gross out moment, but at yeah. the expense. Of and an it's entire, played for laughs. Yeah. Right, right. It's not played for any story. It's just a gross out moment. At the expense of an entire culture. <laughs> yeah. I don't think this is makes a defense, but I think, you know, they would have said at the time, I think, and even in retrospect, they're kind of like, yeah, sorry. But like at the time, they probably would have said, no, it's not about that. It's just, we thought it would be creepy and weird, but it's, you have to look at the whole context and go, yes, but you're putting a white person in this situation, white people in this situation and have them go like, and all the people of color be like, what, you know, like you're setting it up that way. Cause it's not like all those people weren't in the, I'm arguing against a straw man, Steven Spielberg right now. There's (laughs) like, you know, all those people weren't in the thuggy, (laughs) thuggy cult, you know, like there were guests and it's only the English guy and our group that are like skeeved out. Everybody else is slurping and sucking, you know, like, (laughs) <laughs> they're into it i'm sorry i said that <laughs> no you're you're absolutely right and, and i think that it smacks of this idea of like yeah i know this isn't what indians eat but that's not who i'm making the movie for so it doesn't really matter like right. who gives a yeah. shit right and even though that scene is like played up for laughs like you also have the earlier scene when they first arrive in the destitute village full of nameless and faceless Indians that we never get to meet or have, you know, any conversations with aside from one of them. They are served food and Willie won't eat it. 
because right. she thinks it's gross. And from the look of it, it looks like lentils and rice for all I can, from what but I can like tell. flies, you know. They yeah, keep there's a fly, a fly and they deliberately use the clip of the fly landing on her food that she's about to eat. Yeah. So it's not even just this scene that's obviously played for laughs. It's this earlier scene where we're supposed to be like sympathetic to the destitute Indian village, but they're still sort of playing up this idea of like, isn't Indian food kind of gross? And we also, I mean, I think aside from Short Round and the village elder in that that initial village, every brown person we encounter is a cackling villain. We have Lao Shea, who is an evil mobster, his pilots who leave India to die, all the, the members of the thuggy cult. Although arguably. Even Chatter Lal, who is like this well-to-do, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, almost westernized character is secretly in the thuggy cult and trying to keep India and Anna Jones hypnotized. And of course, then Mola Ram and, you know, all his child slaves. Well, his child slaves aren't evil, but... Yeah. It's arguable that besides the Prime Minister and Mola Ram, like, that many of those in the cult could have been brainwashed as well, because all the children Right. Were, I think, yeah. Yeah. The but, Maharaja is eventually revealed to have been brainwashed as well. Right. But, you know, it doesn't really undercut the point too much, I don't think. Well, like, and when we talked about Raiders and how, you know, it, how it treats people of color in it, you know, yeah. we had things to say about that because it wasn't great. But you did have Sala, who was at least an Egyptian, vo- or his character at least, was an Egyptian voice. And here we have Short Round, but he is also from another country as well. So he is still a voyeur to this experience. He is not familiar with Indian culture. He's presumably Chinese kid, even though, I mean... Kihi Kwan is Vietnamese, but I'm presuming that Short Round is supposed to be Chinese. I think he said, I found he him, found on, the him on the streets of Shanghai, right? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So you don't really get any perspective from an Indian position. You meet the village elder at the beginning, but he stays in the village. He does not come with them on their adventure. And I mean, that plays into white savior tropes as well, because they're like, ah, thank God, you know, Shiva sent you so that you can go solve our problems for us, white guy. (laughs) Thank God for you, Indiana. Thank God for you. So yeah, the minor problems we have with Raiders, I feel like are brought front and center into the main plot of this movie. (sighs) Yes. Making it just not something I can defend. (laughs) Yeah. I think you put a a fine point on it, which is that you could kind of like watch around it a little bit more in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark where it, it's not like it's not there and it's not like there's plenty, there's plenty to complain about, but it's just, this is so in the middle of the screen, in the middle of the plot. And you can't like the very, it's centered around the fact that that's this cult and that's this, you know, these, weird other culture that we have to be kind of about and it's you can't really you can't watch around it in the same way in this one yeah the egyptians in the first movie i mean there are some that are you know brought in by the nazis but for the large part they're not portrayed as villains they're just sort of portrayed as like non-entities non-entities whereas in this one they are portrayed as like evil doers and the good ones that we meet are just not integral to the story as much as the villainous ones that are supposed to scare the shit out of us. Also, by the way, on a lighter note, can we go into this? I'm trying to figure out this ritual uh, of Kali that they they do. <laughs> yeah, They bring uh-huh. out a guy, uh-huh. they put him in a cage, rip out his heart, he remains alive. He, they dip him into the volcano. Seals up. His whole seals up. Everyone chants, everyone's having a great time, <laughs> except for the guy in the lava. And then everyone leaves, 
Some henchmen bring out the Shankara stones, including the Shivalinga that the village from the, the beginning lost. They pull them together, they glow because of the magic diamonds inside, then they put them in a skull, and then they leave. Why did you bring out the Shankara stones just to leave them out in an empty, giant temple? I mean, I know plot-wise why you did it, yeah, right. but what is this ritual? I don't know. I mean... And they don't even... The, the, the stones aren't even part of the ritual at all. They're just brought out at the end, like like when the acolytes just light the candles at the beginning of Catholic Mass. Like, we're just here to do this. Let you know things are starting. It's also weird because the whole kind of conceit is that there are five of these sacred stones, and they have three of them, one of which they stole from the village, and two which they believe to be still in the mine. That's why there's a mine. They're having all these brainwashed children dig for, or I guess the children aren't all brainwashed. Anyway, they've (laughs) enslaved children to have them dig for these other two stones. And the idea is they are gaining more power because they have the three stones. And if they get all five stones, they'll be even more powerful and spread evil throughout the land. But we also Mm -hmm. see no, like, more evidence than what we've heard from the village elders about this. Like, they're just not that it's like good that they're doing the human sacrifice thing, but it's like the stones like are <laughs> staunchly anti-human sacrifice. DJ yes, Phillips. I'm I'm against it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> they've just got these little sugar baby rocks. They look like sugar babies. I've thought that since I was a child. <laughs> and they're just there. It's very weird. They didn't even kind of think through it in the story. Like. Yeah, that's one of my notes as well, is that the MacGuffin is not really fleshed out. So we we encounter this village, and they have uh, Shiva Lingam, which is a thing in Hindu shrines. You will see, you know, this phallic rock on top of a flat surface, and that together is a thing. So that is a thing. But apparently, this village just encountered the Shankara stones, which are very much not a thing. It is an invention of this movie, these Shankara stones that have magic diamonds in them. The movie does not explain... What the Shankara stones can do, they're just sort of like, yeah, you know. And so we know that they glow when they're all together. If you have any number of them together, they'll start glowing. If you sure. pull them apart, they turn it back into sugar babies. Put them back together again as Indiana Jones. He like pulled it away, pulled it back together yeah. just to show you that this is how the diamonds wow. work. But then later when they're on the bridge, you know, Indiana Jones says that Mularam betrayed Shiva. Where did that come from? And then the stones ignite, <laughs> and Molaram tries to catch one, and it burns his hand. And I'm like, guys, you need to explain the powers of these Shankara stones if you're going to be doing this left, right, and center. You can't just be like, you all know about the stones, right? You can't just give them rando powers, especially if you're going to make them up out of whole cloth. You're going to have to do some legwork here and explain... And also on top of that, the idea that Kali would be in, you know, against she, like they are against each other is also nonsense. That's bullshit. When at the end, Indiana says, yes, I understand its power now. And it's like, (laughs) I don't. (laughs) Hey, let us in, Indiana. Can you explain their powers to us? And it also, just is more of a character thing, but he said it would just be in a museum collecting dust. So... We can give it back. And I guess I guess something happens within the next year when he becomes <laughs> obsessed with putting things in museums. In this movie's defense, despite all its racism, it is the one time where he actually gives, gives the relic back to the people that yeah. lost it in the first place. Yeah, I got to hand it to him on that one. And by it, 
I mean the Rock, and I'm by, to them, I mean the villagers. Of course. Can I read just my favorite? This is sort of, sort of not in relation to what we were just talking about, but I just want to read my favorite line by Willie. Please. Magic rocks. My grandpa was a magician. He spent his entire life with a rabbit in his pocket and pigeon up his sleeves. He made a lot of children happy and died a very poor man. Magic rocks. Fortune and glory. Sweet dreams, Dr. Jones. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, she raises some great points. One of which, again, she reiterates that she is obsessed with money. (laughs) So if you die poor, it means you had no purpose in your life. And, you know, she obviously doesn't understand, you know, archaeology or, you know, digging things up. Although in her defense, there aren't a lot of famous archaeologists, aside from that guy who died from the curse of Tutankhamun. Sam Neill? No. No. Well, he's... Dr. Grant? Is he an archaeologist? Paleontologist. Paleontologist, definitely. Okay, still just with Indiana Jones then. Yeah. And the guy. The King Tut guy. And yeah. the guy. Howard, I think his name was. But then King Tut killed him. So it feels like... I feel like King Tut did a lot of the work, legwork there <laughs> to make that guy famous. Infamous. <laughs> I'm trying to see if there's anything else I want to talk about. So, Short Round was found on the streets. His family was killed. And <laughs> Indiana just says that super casually in front of him. He doesn't seem to be bothered by it. He does not seem to be bothered. I guess he's moved past Chill. it. Yeah, I, I thought that was a little, that was a weird moment. Even just to give him a little direction to be like, look down or feel uncomfortable or something. Nope. And also, where the fuck does he go? We never see him again. I mean, I Who? know what happened to Kihi Kwan. He was like, fuck this place. Right. Hollywood being the place. But makes me concerned that Short Round is dead <laughs> in my head. That somewhere along the Especially line, Especially because it's died. like this... The next time we see Indiana, it's only a year later. You know, I could see like, you know, as Short Round grows up, he's probably like cool on his own. He's going to go figure it out, you know. But just a year later, I'm kind of like. It's just 11 now. Yeah. He's not going to college or anything. Well, do you think like maybe Indiana Jones has like franchises for his sidekicks? Like you'll Mm. be our Asian office. If I'm in Asia, you come help me on my adventures. You and guy who died in nightclub. And, you know, when I'm in Egypt, Salah's there to help me. Because then we see Salah pops up again in Last Crusade. And then in the fourth one, Greg. Greg comes. I well, no, I was thinking. I wasn't thinking of Shy. I was thinking of the other guy who's like a triple agent at one point in that story. Oh. We'll get to it for patrons. We'll get to it. I told Indiana when we met, "You're never going to grow unless you learn how to delegate." And I think he may have taken that to heart. Gave him uh, seven habits of highly successful people, <laughs> and told him you've got to get some vice presidents, mm-hmm. maybe regional directors, perhaps one for each continent. Maybe some support people in case people call in with, you know, yeah. archaeological Customer questions service. or yeah. issues. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you yeah. really, look, you're expensive. The only way you can combat your competition is customer service. You really just got to go all in with great customer service. That's going to be the difference for your clients. Now, Brody's not. But you're mostly <laughs> Shanghai mobsters, unfortunately. <laughs> Brody's not always going to be there to buy your artifacts. No questions <laughs> asked. <laughs> I feel like that's all I've got. I mean, I have a lot more notes, but they're just like, oh, this is just a small thing, but. Please. It really, the kids, they're like the first enslaved kid that we meet, like in when they're held captive. Who like escaped and wanders back to this village? Has, no, no, no. Sorry. When they're, when uh, 
our heroes have been captured. Oh, oh, right. And they and they're just talking. And like, it's like, please let me die. <laughs> but fun, lighthearted adventure. His voice is so weird. I was like, are these like theater kids? Because they're like, please allow me to do it. And I was like, why are they talking so weird? That's Tress McNeil doing that voice. <laughs> Nancy Cartwright is imprisoned child number six. So the the voice of that kid that they meet when they're held captive in the temple is literally voiced by a Tress McNeil from The Simpsons. Like, Oh, wait, really? A, I thought you were a doing joke. a goof-em-up. No, it's not, it's not a goof-em-up. I'm serious. So that's why it was so weird because it also, I'm not going to pretend like I recognized that, but I knew it was weird. Well, it's very bizarre. She plays Rod and Todd Flanders. And now that I'm <laughs> saying that. Right? Yes. Tyler and I were watching and he thought the Maharaja, the kid who plays the Maharaja is also dubbed. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if that was the same, if that was also her, but. Because he has almost like a so. very, he has a very feminine voice. Who doesn't? But it's very distracting because it's like, it's not the like boy with feminine weird. voice. It's like girl with voice. Now, it's girls. Now with voices. <laughs> it's it's a woman pretending to play a young boy with a more of a feminine voice, which is like, it's a lot of levels. <laughs> All of them anyway. homophobic. <laughs> it's not a big thing, but it was distracting. What else is distracting is I've noticed this since the very first time I saw this movie when I was little. I swear that they reuse one of the shots of the alligators, of the crocodiles, which is a very common thing in like cheaper movies. But it's like, guys, you had the budget. just. Don't do that. And it could have been just a very similar shot, but I'm pretty sure it's the same shot that they use twice. I like the bridge scene, but the thing I do not like is that I think the alligators feel very like Wild Kingdom. They just feel like they're like cut in. It doesn't feel like they're actually there. It doesn't feel like they're connected to the scene. It feels very awkward a little bit, especially when Mola Ram dies. He falls off the bridge and, you know, lands with the alligators. We just sort of see him like, awkwardly blue screen down the cliff and then it just cuts to alligators chewing on his vestments. (laughs) There's no like blood or anything. It's, it's very awkward. And also I think Indiana Jones movies tend to be pretty good at giving us a pretty gruesome death for their villains. And in this one, we don't get that. It's kind of disappointing, especially because he's the most horrific of, I mean, yes, I guess I can't say that because Nazis are real and terrible, of course, but like Within as the bounds of the movie story, things, he yeah. is the most terrible villain. Yeah. You know, enslaving children and ripping people's hearts out. Yeah. At least from right. what we've seen. But yeah, it's, I don't know why the crocodiles were necessary. I mean, it adds a little, on paper, it's fun, but it, it was poor execution. They just like went to Florida and shot some gators. <laughs> I keep <laughs> right, saying they're not even crocodiles, crocodiles, they are alligators. They are alligators. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know what, why we're doing that. I mean. It sounds fun, but yeah, just like poor execution. Yeah, no, it, it's the not the best moment. I think I'm good. I think that's all I've got. Yeah. Shall we go to the verdict? Let's head on down to the verdict room. Let's gather all your recording materials so we can get down to that room we specifically designed. We can swing I'm over there or mine cart over there, whatever my, you need my to do. Bull whip. 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 I can't decide right, where let- to place the the window. It's very confusing. Okay. 
Damon Zanthopoulos, what is your favorite? Oh, I've got you first. I got you first. Like we said in the first movie, Steven Spielberg is not a, a fluke. He he knows what he's doing. He knows how to compose a scene. He knows how to do an action sequence. More or less, you and I may disagree on some. Apparently, he's not good at bars. You're that's yeah. that's usually your complaint is like, Steve, stop with all the bar scenes. Teetotaler. He's never been in one. <laughs> and there's a lot of great things in this movie. There are a lot of great shots. There are a lot of memorable scenes. There are a lot of great action sequences. This movie is racist as fuck. <laughs> And I mean, like we said last time, you know, Indiana Jones is a reference to a thing that we don't remember. And this movie seems to be also referencing a movie I've never seen, Gunga Din. But that movie's fucking racist. It's got people in blackface playing Indian people. It ends with an Indian guy dying. And then we see him in the afterlife wearing a British uniform to show like, ah, he finally achieved his dream of being in his oppressor's army. Gunga Din is racist. We can talk about that in another episode. This movie is also racist. And I do resent that it makes us root for Captain Bloombert, British colonist. I hate that almost every brown person we see is either helpless, faceless, voiceless, yeah. and pawing at white people, or evil villains beyond the pale of like realistic villainy. They're just like designed to be the most horrific, inhumane, disgusting people. It mocks Indian culture. It makes a travesty of Hinduism. It is a fucking racist movie. And no awesome minecart chase can change that. This movie is indefensible. This Your inner child is an idiot. Do you think the first person that invented the minecart was like... <laughs> time to have some fun you guys this is gonna be fucking awesome like i'm sure that like when they sat down to invent it they were like we need to get the coal from there to there and it's really heavy and someone's like have you heard about this train thing they just invented but i mean maybe the second person who like looked at the drawings would have been like i can't wait this is gonna make an awesome video game level one day (laughs) it's going to make some people who play Donkey Kong Country really upset. (laughs) Okay, so there there are some fun elements. I actually was less offended by Short Round than I was expecting, just as a character. Obviously, not the actor, but like, you know, he has like, it would be offensive if I did the voice, but like- Don't do the voice. That was- That was uh, Kihui Kwong's like thing. Like, he does that same voice as, as Data- I mean, it's his voice. I mean, he speaks, he has, you know, he's like playing it up. He's not a native speaker. So he, you know, he has an accent when he talks. Right. And I like short round a lot. Indiana Jones as a character is fun to be around, you know, fun to like spend an adventure with. Not as fun in this one. (laughs) I just don't feel like he gets as many like smug moments. He gets a couple, but it was not as masterfully done. I'm trying to list all the good things before I say. You're doing great. But there are some good directorial moments. I actually think this one is pretty clunky overall, but there's still, because it's Steven Spielberg, some really bright spots, you know, the minecart chase, some of the other action scenes, some things that are still iconic that come to mind when you think of just Indiana Jones. Some of those moments are still in this movie, but the movie overall, 100% agree. It's racist as fuck. It's like a cardboard cartoon like not even a stereotype it's like not real enough to be a stereotype it's like this made up boogeyman version of other cultures it's not even just indian culture just amalgamated into this other 
racist as fuck thing. It's gross. It's you can't. It's so integrated into the story in a way that it's not in Raiders of the Lost Ark that you can't like look past it. Right. It is the plot and the entire yes. thrust of the movie. <laughs> yeah, and part is just like they're in India, so they can't like sort of. I don't know. It was bad. There were many bad elements in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and they decided to triple down on them for this movie. Kate Capshaw <laughs> playing Willie. I would say it's not. I'm not even going to say Kate Capshaw. Willie is awful. Is an awful character. You don't want to spend any screen time with her. When like she and Indiana like start to get together, you're like, why? You clearly hate her. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, like <laughs> you're being very mean to her. Then it makes me hate Indiana because he's like negging this woman. Like, <laughs> but also she sucks. <laughs> I'm so, now like, imagining him in the, uh, you know, those weird, what were they called? The, Yeah. Ladies, man, not ladies, man. What? Are, oh my god! Why can't I remember this now? The pickup artist. Ugh! The pickup yeah. artist. That yeah. Fucking goggles on his hat or something. Yeah. Get out of here, gross He's Indiana peacocking. Jones. That is what his hat <laughs> and his whip are. He's peacocking. <laughs> this movie, you're in trouble as an idiot. This is also, also just a bad movie. It's bad. There are good elements, but it did not come together for me. Probably gonna make some people mad who like have fond nostalgia who just happened to not watch this movie in the last 40 years. But I it would is, advise those people to, you know, get their best Indian friend and invite them over to watch Temple of Doom and see how far you make it in before you're like, you know what? I, I actually, I think there's something wrong with this DVD and I don't yeah. think we can just, you know, I didn't pay my HBO Max subscription. So I think we're actually going to be charged double for this. So I probably should just turn it off. We're just going to watch Slumdog Millionaire. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> There's a very good reason why Lauren's dad protected her from this movie, even though she loved Indiana Jones. Because <laughs> he was like, this is bad. We're just going to skip that one. And she's like, okay. And I would recommend you do that, everyone. If watching the original trilogy, although we'll revisit the third one next and see if we're missing anything. But what do you think, everybody? Why don't you email us? Your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text us 615-576-0525. You can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. We want to thank the patrons of our show, including David Mort, Jonathan Day, Jeremy Powlin, Lindsay Alice Halleck, Larissa Maestro, Karen Curd, Heather Tuggle, Travis Vance, Demons the Street, you Captain Jean-Luc Picard, <laughs> Lindsay Nell, the Hands of Fate. Dan McIntyre. Jackson has an unhealthy obsession with Damon. Don't we know it? Hi, Jackson. The elusive fan Gromkin. Shit on the cartouche. <laughs> Josh Frigo. Dramatically placed hot dog. Beth Sermont. The supreme ruler of this podcast. His honor the mayor. Just cuz. Scalphosaurus. Dr. Malcolm's heaving bosom. <laughs> He sounds like the kid in the ring there instead. <laughs> uh, Particle Man. T. Smith. And the Zesty. Thank you all very, very much. We really appreciate your support. If you want to support like them, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot and get your extra episodes. Get your live streams, all kinds yeah. of fun stuff. Let's see if Indiana Jones 4 is still the worst one after we've just ridden this orientalist nonsense <laughs> minecart race to the bottom of the barrel with Temple of Doom. That almost became a sentence at the end. Almost. <laughs> I'm sure there's a predicate in there somewhere. If you had yes, the money, mm -hmm. would you put um, like a mine shaft and a mine cart in your, you know, the basement 
of your palace. Mm. I would skip the volcano, but I think yeah, I might Yeah, I feel like the, the lava, cart. that's just too much overhead, I feel like. It's a lot yeah. of upkeep, but minecart- battling it with the AC. Right, right. I feel like minecart, definitely. And henchmen that I can kill at will, you know, through various means. Also a plus. I'd go with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Easy <laughs> question. We're... Never had an easier question than minecart in the basement. Do I also have unlimited lives? What are we looking at here? 30? How many Donkey Kong balloons have I found at this point? I was going to say, it's a Kong situation where it depends on how many balloons you got before you got to the... Yeah, that's true. It's going to stress me out. <laughs> <laughs>